when the historic event of Woodstock took place. It changed the whole generation. They estimate that about 400,000 people were in attendance at that concert at Woodstock. Since Woodstock, it's estimated that about 3.2 million people claim to have been at Woodstock. (laughs) Hank Aaron celebrated, I think it was 40 years since he broke uh, the home run record this month. And he talked about how every town he went to, he had death threats and racial comments and all kinds of things were said to him. And to this day, no one will say that they did it. No one, take, no one admits it. So it seems that uh, everyone wants to claim involvement when something good happens. Everyone wants to deny involvement when something not so good happens. When, uh, when I was a kid, I was, heard this song, and they, they said it was an old American spiritual. They, the, actually, the slaves called it a Negro spiritual. It was sung by the slaves in this country in the 1800s. And the, and the song was called, Were You There? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? The words of that song include these words. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the cross? It goes on to say, were you there when they pierced him in the side? Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And I heard that song, and I thought, of course not. Happened 2,000 years ago. No, I wasn't there. How could I have been there? But the answer to that question parallels another question. What is the death and the reputed resurrection of a Middle Eastern rabbi 20 centuries ago have to do with me? Answer to both those questions. Nothing. Or everything. And it depends on if you were there. I'm going to read a passage that doesn't normally get read on Easter Sunday. It's in Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6. If you have a Bible or access to one, you can join me. Because there's something we need to understand today on Easter Sunday. And it doesn't start on Easter and doesn't refer to today. It goes back. It goes back to the first man who God created to reflect his glory and have a relationship personally with him. A man and a woman in a garden and a man and woman who made a choice. And I'm sure you're familiar with the story of Adam and Eve and their choice to declare independence from their creator, to decide that they would choose to satisfy their own desires above his leadership in their life. And when that happened, something else happened. God had said to Adam, choose to obey, choose to stay connected with me because on the day you don't, on the day you defy that, on the day that you break that connection, you will surely die. And even though they didn't physically die that day, God meant something else. The process of death was introduced into their lives and a much more significant death became their reality a death of separation, a death of isolation from God, a death of penalty for their rebellion. 
Romans 5 says something about who was there that day. In Romans 5, verse 12, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. It says in verse 12, this is going to be repeated over and over and over again. By one man, something happened to all men. By one man, sin entered the world. By one man, death passed on to all human beings. Guess who that includes? Look at verse 15, the middle of the verse. It says, for this one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin. Thanks a lot. In verse 16, in the middle of verse, it says, For Adam's sin led to condemnation. In verse 17, it says, The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. In verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brought condemnation upon everyone. Verse 19, Because one person disobeyed God, many people became sinners. On the day that you do that, you will die physically, spiritually, relationally, genetically. Guess what? I was there. I was there. I was there by nature. I was there by genetics. I was complicit in his actions. I was infected by that. You've heard the phrase guilt by association. I was not only guilty by association, I was guilty by participation. It was my race. It was my nature that took part in that problem. I was embedded in it. I was invested in it with him. I was a teenager at visiting a college with a friend, and we saw a bunch of kids gathered around one building, and we went over to see what they were doing. And when we got over there, they were just doing what guys do. And so we just kind of hung out on the, on the perimeter, and then all of a sudden we heard sirens, and, and somebody was doing something that somebody else found out about, and cop cars descended. It was like a scene from a movie. And I mean, they're just surrounded, this whole group of guys. And the cops get out, and they say, everybody stay where you are, everybody stay where you are. And they came over, and we're in the circle, and they come over, and they go, so, what were you doing? And I'm telling you what, I never danced so well as I danced right then with my verbal kind of statements. I was not, I don't know these guys. I'm not part of these guys. I'd like to be, I'd be on our way. They let us go. I don't know why, but they let us go. I worked everything I could to say I wasn't associated. I wasn't part of that. But you know what? When Adam sinned, you were there. Like it or not, I was there. The ramifications fell to me. I was embedded with that. Bernie Madoff is known as the man who's in prison now for coming up with the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world. Took people's investments this whole pyramid kind of thing, and then it was exposed, and he lost $17 billion of people's money. When he did that, there were a whole lot of investors who were part of that, and they say, I don't know what happened. I don't know what was going on, but you know what? They lost their money too. It just so happens that some of them were owners of my favorite baseball team, and they've been in the cellar Ever since. When Adam fell, I fell. 
when he sinned, I became a sinner. When he rebelled, when he declared his independence, I did it too. When he was told, you died, I died. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. As in Adam, all die, you and me. So in Christ, all can be made alive. When Adam sinned, I was there. You were too. And Jesus comes. And Jesus, who puts flesh on an eternal being, God in the flesh, the Son of God comes on a rescue mission. He comes to earth. He comes to tell people what the kingdom was supposed to look like. He comes to call people to be restored with God. And Jesus is accused falsely and convicted and dies. And when Jesus died... Like the song says, you know, as it turns out, I was there. (laughs) See, there were people who vowed uh, that they would die to prevent his death. They stood there and say it would never, never happen. In Matthew 26, Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. All the disciples said the same thing. They vowed that they would prevent him from dying. They didn't. But it wasn't just them. I was complicit. I contributed. I've told myself my whole life, if I had been there, if I had physically been in that land in that time, I wouldn't have betrayed Jesus. I wouldn't have denied him. You know what? I did. I put him on the cross. I contributed to that. The Bible said, foretold it would happen in Isaiah 53. He would be pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord laid on him. He did something on the cross. He laid on him the penalty, the iniquity, the the evil of us all. See, when Jesus was on the cross and darkness fell and the face of God turned from him and he was bearing the sins of the world, he wasn't just bearing some singular load I was piling on to him every lie I have told every act of selfishness that I have thought or acted upon every deception every burst of anger every evil thought every bit of pride that comes out of me every part of defiance and independence in me every abuse that I've been involved in, every addiction that I've been subject to, every moment of lust in my life, every degree of greed that has driven me, every misuse of what's been given me, everything, all the penalty, all the darkness of that, I've loaded it. It was loaded onto that body. My iniquities were there. They were on him. Oscar Pistorius is on trial. Olympian, you know, was the first one to to run with a double amputee and he shot his girlfriend. Says he did it not knowing it was her. The accusation is that he knew exactly what he was doing. The trial's ongoing. This week, prosecuting attorney got him up there on the stand and, and he said, I want to show you what happened to Riva. I want you to see what happened to Riva. And bursting into tears, Oscar Pistorius says, I don't need to look at a picture I was there. 
this week, our culture, for whatever reason the culture still does it, decides to look at the cross. We look at the tomb. We look at a a historical event. And a whole lot of us look at that and we say, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't need to look at it because I don't have, I have nothing to do with Jesus. Can I tell you something? Oh, yes, you do. Whether you acknowledge him or not, yes, you do. You and I are responsible for his death. You and I were there. Recently, a man named uh, Cornelius Anderson uh, was in the news because in in the year 2000 uh, in St. Louis, Cornelius Anderson was convicted of armed robbery and he was sentenced to 13 years in prison. And he wasn't considered a flight risk, so he was told to await instructions on when and where to report to to start his prison term. It's a common occurrence. Those instructions never came. And so Cornelius Anderson kept waiting, and he went about his life, and he didn't report. And for the next 13 years, Cornelius Anderson got married, had children. He learned to trade as a carpenter. He started three businesses. He made no effort to conceal his identity or his whereabouts. He paid his income tax and his property tax. He kept his driver's license, showing his true name and his address. And the, and the Missouri Department of Corrections went to process the release of Cornelius Anderson, after he'd served 13 years of prison. And when they went to do the paperwork and they checked with the prison, they found out he was not there and never had been. Now, there's a big battle going on right now, but do you know what happened when they discovered that? They sent a SWAT team to his house. He was taken into custody. He was sent to Southeast Correctional Center in Charleston, Missouri, to begin serving the sentence. And they're saying this about Cornelius Anderson. I don't know how this will go. I know how I think it's going to go. He says he can't give him credit for time served because the law does not allow credit for time served when the convicted person has not served time. Whether or not I feel like I'm responsible, whether or not it's ever caught up with me yet, whether or not I feel like I should take responsibility for it, I am convicted of a crime. And I'm held accountable for that. When Jesus died under the weight of sin, make no mistake, I was there when they crucified my Lord. I crucified him. I was also there in another way. I was there because when he did that, something else happened. If you're in Romans, take a look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. It says, we were buried with him through baptism, meaning associated, being associated into his death. We were buried with him. What's the Bible mean when it says that? In verse 6, it says it a little bit more. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 8 says, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. You know, Jesus was called the second Adam. The first one represented us genetically and as a race, 
and he took our nature on himself when he made his actions. The second Adam comes, and the same thing happens, except this time a righteous one who is pure and holy represents a whole race of people. So it wasn't just that I crucified him, which I did, but I was crucified with him. When he died, my brokenness, my deficiency, my guilt and my shame and my contaminated life, my independence and all of the penalty for that, all of the injury of that, all of the hell of that was placed on him. It crushed him and it died with him. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. When Jesus died, I was there. And so were you. Because out of his grace, he decided to include our sin, whether we've asked for it or not, the penalty and the payment for our sin to be added to his weight. And our lives were placed in his. And then the moment that we're here today for comes. Then another moment, the moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, today is your day. Today is the day. That day comes when Jesus Christ, laying dead and cold in the grave, lifeless body already entombed and encased and gone. When that Jesus, in a moment proved that he could do what no one else in the universe could do, that he was somebody who no one else could claim to be, that everything he said about this essence that you carried in in your little shell today, life, belonged to him, that there was not a single life in the universe that he was not responsible for and not the authoritative Lord over. When that Jesus said, I will prove it because you take my life from me, He says, you can't do it. I will surrender my life. My life can't be taken from me. I will lay it down of my own accord and I can bring it, take it back up again. With all of heaven's angels watching and all of earth in disarray and not knowing exactly what happened with soldiers guarding a tomb just because they wanted to make sure no one faked it. In that moment, out of the midst of darkness, when light appeared and Jesus lifeless body began to twitch and fingers maybe and eyelids began to flutter. When he commanded life to return to his body and he raised himself, he stood, he he moved out of the empty tomb and he declared once and for all that he is the Lord of life. He is the way and the truth and the life. When he did that, where was I? Where were you? Not just that we had not been born yet, but when he made that audacious claim and followed through on it, the answer to that question makes all the difference. See, when he rose and he appeared to his disciples, the first time Thomas, my namesake, we get doubting Thomas and peeping Toms and tomfoolery and Tom Dick and Harry. I mean, I tell you, it's a rough life. And Thomas isn't there. The disciples say, we've seen the risen Lord. And Thomas sits there and does probably what I would do too and says, yeah, right. 
until I see it with my own eyes, until I feel with my his his when I when I can place my finger in the wounds, then I'll know. Thomas wasn't there at the resurrection. And Jesus, in his grace, appears to Thomas. He appears to all of them, and he pulls Thomas out and goes, Hey, you, come here. I heard what you said. <laughs> can you imagine Thomas in that moment? Yeah, I really didn't mean it. No, I, I'm good. We're good, right? We're good. He goes, Thomas, very, very full of grace. Thomas, just go ahead, just touch. Touch, see? It's not a ghost. Thomas, this is real. Thomas, this is life. Thomas, I am alive. I am the Lord of life. That's what he's saying by, by offering that. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Jesus turns to him and goes, you, you saw it and you believed because you saw it. But, and he said this about you and about me. But blessed will be people who don't see it and still believe. In that moment, when Jesus rose from the dead, Something happened. Look at Romans 6. I'll just read verses 4 through 8 all the way through. We were buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too, this is you, this is you, we too may have a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly be also be united with him in his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. Here's the amazing thing. In that moment when he rose, where were you? Where was I? When he rose, I was there. I rose with him because he gave me the opportunity for something to, be ha- to happen with my life and his. He gave me the, the, the chance, freely given, to just say, can I attach my life, my, my lost life, my dead life, my, my, my life that's doomed and corrupt, can I attach it to your life so that if you give new life to yourself, I also get some too. That's the opportunity he gave. It's 20 years ago, this summer, Forrest Gump came out. They're going to celebrate. And uh, that makes you feel old, some of you, right? And some of you go, well, who's that? Okay. It's a line in, in that movie where Forrest Gump is telling his story. And he says uh, what happened with his uh, Bubba, Bubba Gump Shrimp Company proceeds. And he said that he just makes his real quick comment. You see him go to the mailbox and open a letter. And it says, Lieutenant Dan got me invested in some kind of fruit company. And he opens up the letter and you see the insignia for Apple at the top. And then he says, so then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. A group recently did a little study on that and said if that was true at that time, at the time when that would have been historically the case, if Forrest Gump's investment in Apple would have been a typical investment in Apple uh, at that worth today, In today's money, today's value, that investment for Forrest Gump would be worth $7 billion. For a guy who had no idea what the company was about, had no part in making it happen, had no part in its profits happening, he just got attached to it. When Jesus rose and conquered death, I was there. Not because I did anything, just because 
He allowed me to attach my life, broken and ruined and darkened as it was, attach my life to his life so that when he rose, his life was proven to be an eternal life and that life became my life. You ever seen a player single-handedly win a championship for a team? Michael Jordan might have done that once or twice. Wayne Gretzky might have done that once or twice. They single-handedly are responsible for their team getting the victory. When they do that, the entire team gets rings. The entire team gets shares. The entire team gets the hoist, the trophy. Just because they're attached to the one who won it. First organized basketball team I was, was on as a, as a kid, they, they mistakenly put me with kids a year to two years older than me. And I know this is hard to believe, but I was rather short for my age back then. So I'm around, and we were, we were the 76ers, and these all these big kids, and they would put me out there in the third quarter, because that's when you put the scrubs in, the third quarter for about three minutes, because it was required to put the kids out there. And I would stand out there and act like I knew what I was doing, and I never scored a single point. I never touched the ball. I never touched the ball. And the 76ers won the championship, and I, have, I got a little, I still have them. They're important to me. My trophies. Got many, many boxes of my trophies from all my accomplishments. And in one of those boxes, there's this trophy, and it says, Champions 76ers. I got a trophy, but I didn't do anything for it. Colossians 3 says this, For you died, and your life is now hidden. With Christ in God. See? So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Ephesians 2 says it this way. God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I was there just because he allowed me to be, just because he invited me. So it raises the question, so if, were you there when they crucified my Lord? The answer is yes. Were you there when he rose from the grave? If the answer is yes, how do I become one who was there? How does that make be true? How does it become true that I am one who's there by grace and by faith? And the answer is very, very simple. Second Timothy puts it this way. Here's a trustworthy statement. In order to rise with him, you have to have died with him. If we die with him, we also live with him. John 6.40, Jesus said, My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I look and I believe. What that means is that I make a choice. I don't just recognize the historical fact and say Woodstock happened and that was a neat thing. I don't just say, hey, what a great event and I applaud it. I don't just say, oh, it shouldn't have happened that he was killed. No, what I do is I, by faith, go to the the risen Jesus and say, here is my life. I've been trying to live it my own way. I've lived independently from you. I have sinned. I have ruined it. And if you, by your grace, will say that you love me enough, that you would attach this life 
to your life. That's what it means to look to Jesus and to believe in Him, to entrust it to Him, to embed my life in in His. Then the promise is there that when Jesus rose from the dead, I was there. You see, there are a lot of things I wasn't there for. I wasn't there the day Oprah gave cars to everybody in her audience. You get a car, you get a car. You got, I, didn't, I didn't get a car. I wasn't there. I'm guessing you weren't either. I wasn't there when a group bought the winning lottery ticket and they all took the money that had been compiled and they all became multimillionaires. Great for them. That's very nice. But I wasn't there. I don't get any of it. I wasn't there when Apple stock was bought and then mushroomed to make everybody who's a part of it a billionaire. I wasn't there when the team won the national championship. I wasn't on the team. I didn't get the gold pants. I didn't get the ring. I didn't get any of that stuff. Ah, but there's a better day. There's a greater day. Because on that day, on the day that Jesus of Nazareth conquered death, on the day that he spoke life into to return to his own body, on the day that he opened his eyes and declared all authority on heaven in heaven and on earth is given to me, on the day that he says he rose from the dead and he will give life to anybody who came with him, anybody who trusts him, on that day, the day that we celebrate today, on that day, I was there. So I want to ask you, were you there? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you part of those who have entrusted their life to him? When he rose, were you there? You can be. In his mercy, God has extended the invitation at least till today. And says, anybody who trusts, anybody who surrenders their life to me, anybody who believes in me can be there. And that simply happens by inclining your heart toward him, repenting of your sin, declaring yourself incapable of, doing, of bringing life to yourself and saying, I need you, I trust you, I accept the life that you bought and proved and rose from the dead to give. That can happen right where you sit. For those of us in the room who say, I know because I was there. I've placed my heart in His. I've given my life to Him. There is no better day to celebrate than today. One more time, we're going to sing the song that we sang to start at, right at the end before I came up. And I invite you from a heart, maybe for the first time that believes, to call out and say, I, I Me too. You rose from the dead for me. I trust you. And for those of us who know it and have celebrated it already, this is our moment to declare it again that my life is attached to Jesus and he is alive. Pray with me. In fact, stand with me and let's pray. That risen Jesus by his spirit is present in the room He is here. 
We are here not just to talk about him, but to celebrate him in his presence. We are here to declare again to him that he is the Lord of all. He's the King of kings. He is the one, he's the one and only Savior of the world. Would you join me consciously thinking about the fact that we are speaking to a risen, living Savior. And right now we say to you, all glory is due your name. Our lives are buried in yours. Our lives belong to you. They have been purchased by you. We are yours entirely from head to toe, from now through eternity. We want to praise you that you are the King of all and the, and the Lord of life, the author of life who gives it to us if we simply, by faith, ask. Make this a day where that renown spreads from this place into our lives from this moment and into our community, that this place and this time and this people declare that Jesus Christ is alive and he's living in us. All glory goes to you. Hear us sing about it. Lord Jesus.